The World Series is here, and we, of course, are going to do what we do best. That's hardcore baseball analysis. Alex, are you ready to talk about the platoons? Are you ready to talk about how the Dodgers' right-handed hitters are going to match up against Chris Sale? Are you ready to talk about the Boston Red Sox bullpen? I have pages and pages of notes on Clayton Kershaw's postseason curse, all the splits for the Dodgers lineup, every possible matchup. We are just going to go down this rabbit hole. We're going to go for it, man. It's hashtag analytics time, man. We're pivoting into analytics. Just kidding. We're going to read a bad column written by homeboy Bill Welt for the State Journal Register. I don't know what state that's for or journal or (laughs) what register. I don't really even care. Headline, Bill Welt. Most popular, quote, fake stat of them all, exit velocity. Alex, are you ready? We're going to get right into it. It's the next installation of our bad take reading. And we're going to read this whole one because, as you pointed out to me before the pod, it's just like eight sentences. It's not even a column. No. (laughs) All right, let's do this. Fellow writer Trevor Lawrence famously coined, quote, fake stats a while back. I think I know the biggest one of all. Exit velocity in baseball. All right, where's your head at, Alex? What are you thinking? Well, I'm I'm ready, man. First of all, I'm thinking who Trevor Lawrence is. Uh, that's really <laughs> where my mind first goes. <laughs> Am I supposed to know who that is? Famous. He's famous. He's very famous in the journalism <laughs> yeah. world. You wouldn't know. Hashtag hardcore journalism. This was just like a friend of his, and they were chatting, and this guy was like, oh, yeah, um, uh, Woba, fake stat. And our guy, Bill Welt, was like, oh, my God. Moving forward. Networks will show a replay of a home run and emphasize how fast the ball went out of the ballpark. For example, a home run traveled up to 115 miles per hour over the fence. What does that mean? (laughs) What does that mean, Alex? This is like slam poetry, I'm pretty sure. (laughs) Did I read it wrong? Okay, sorry. For example, a home run traveled up to 115 miles per hour. Over the fence, 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 fence. What does that mean? (laughs) (laughs) What do you mean? What does that mean? What is is he confused about? You just answered your own question right there. (laughs) Does he not know what miles per hour are? Does he not know what a fence is? (laughs) Does he not know a ball? What part of that sentence doesn't he know? I just, I'm so curious. I, I am too. He says, I don't know. Because I can already... De- <laughs> this <is> great. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I came out of character for a sec there. He says, I don't know because I can already discern that the dang ball was crushed. This oh, is what God. I do know. It doesn't matter and nobody cares. <laughs> <laughs> I just appreciate the sincerity behind it. Like, this is not a meticulous takedown of exit velocity. He's just like, shut up. I don't give a shit. And that is that is the entire column. And I got to respect he's just sticking to his guns. <laughs> his logic for this is it doesn't matter and nobody cares. Did he conduct a <laughs> poll? Did he ask everyone if they care? <laughs> it doesn't matter 
Nobody cares. The specificity there is what makes this column very fantastic. That's, that's my new Twitter bio. <laughs> it doesn't matter. Nobody <laughs> cares. <laughs> my tweets, they don't matter. and Nobody cares. <laughs> um, I love the part where he's like, it does, I don't know because I can already discern that the dang ball was crushed. Can, can you? Can you really <laughs> tell that the dang ball was crushed? I mean, it's on TV. It's kind of hard to tell whether it's just like a well-hit ball or like a Giancarlo Stanton 120-mile-an-hour screamer. Like, you can kind of tell, but you don't really know. If you're watching TV, you don't know the... And they took the the pitch speed away. You wouldn't know the difference between 98 and 93, but it would be very different to the batter. Every fly ball off the bat on TV looks like a home run. Like, and then it ends up being a short fly out to center field. I'm like, like George Springer hits a ball in the air and I'm like, oh my God. And then, you know, Jock Peterson hustles in and catches it near second base. I'm like, oh, uh, I guess it wasn't near second base. That's an inaccurate representation of you when a ball gets hit that you think is going to be a home run. Because literally every time I've ever been with you watching baseball and you think it's going to be a home run, you'll be like, get out ball, (laughs) get out ball. (laughs) (laughs) Even if it's like a ground ball of the middle, get out ball. Yeah, pretty much. All right, let's let's close this thing out. I like to see how fast a pitcher can throw the ball. That's something that matters, and a regular viewer like myself can appreciate. Otherwise, stop throwing numbers at me that don't matter. It's getting out of hand. Just stop. <laughs> <laughs> I'm having Bill. trouble holding it together over here. <laughs> Bill! Bill Welch, my guy. How is it different? I'm actually kind of curious at this part. This is the only part that piqued my interest. What's different about how fast a pitcher can throw versus how fast you hit? That's pretty determinative. Like exit velocity is pretty determinative of whether you're going to be a good hitter. But like, I feel like this column is just the perfect distillation of all the conversations that we have, all the bad takes that we roast. And a lot of people try to have, you know, like I was saying, like these very well thought out takedowns of a stat or like why why you we don't need this and why this new stat is destroying the game or something like that. And Bill is just plugging his ears and closing his eyes and saying, la, 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 I don't care. I don't want to hear. He's literally doing that. He's plugging his ears, closing his eyes like a fifth grader and just yelling, just stop, just stop, yeah. just stop, just stop, yeah. just stop. Yeah. He's like, <laughs> stop throwing numbers at me that don't matter. I don't care. <laughs> It's getting out of hand. That's the kind of thing that you say if you're 40 and washed. XYZ is getting out of hand. Because what does that even mean? You can't refute that. I can't refute that. Maybe it is getting out of hand. Whose hand? What is it? I don't know. (laughs) Oh, Bill. Thank you, Bill. We appreciate it. We'll link to that in the bio. I'm Bobby Wagner. I'm Alex Baisley. And this is Tipping Pitches World Series Edition. I am ready. I am stoked, man. Maybe the most on-brand thing that I'm going to do in this podcast is before we even talk about the World Series, I'm going to yell about how the Mets still don't have a GM. (laughs) (laughs) What the hell's going on, Alex? Uh, uh, You tell me, man. So they've narrowed it down, according to SNY, to Kim Ang, Chaim Bloom, Kaim Bloom, Kaim Bloom. I'm very sorry if I'm pronouncing that name wrong. Doug Melvin. Brody Van Wagenen, Wagenen, Jesus, his name's Alex, they're <laughs> killing me. The Mets are doing this on purpose. And Casey Close, 
So I don't, I'm not, we're not going to like do hardcore analysis, hardcore analysis of what each of those people would do as Mets GM. More importantly, the thing that I'm most concerned about as a Mets fan is that we're one week away from the baseball season being done and a real GM would have to be using this time to like put together their staff, put together their analytics department. Like the Mets only have four full-time analytics employees. (laughs) I would hope that the next GM wants to have more than four full-time analytics employees and the next GM doesn't even exist yet. Yeah. It's just another chapter in the book of Mets and Wilpon incompetence. And yeah. I'm count me as concerned. I mean, so they're not the only team in this scenario, right? But they're the only one that's going about it in such a bizarre way. I mean, first of all, so Brody Van Van Wingenham, um, <laughs> V-dub. He, yeah, V-dub. He's a player agent. He's like Noah Syndergaard's agent and Jacob deGrom's agent and our shining son, Tim Tebow's agent. And they're going to hire him to... Wait, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Rewind. <laughs> Wait, what? He's yeah. the agent for Syndergaard, deGrom, and Tim Tebow? Yep. And So that's uh, like the, th- that's the three-headed monster of the future for the Mets. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> No, this guy's like a like a big shot baseball agent, but they're gonna hire him to run a baseball team. What? It's a little like little like the Lakers signing Kobe Bryant's longtime agent to be their GM, <laughs> yeah. Rob Polinka, which is still kind of wild to me. But and he's doing a, a weird job. Um, I don't really. I truly don't know enough about any of these people to give a shit right now. But I do know enough about how long it takes to be good at a GM job to know that they should be hiring someone. <laughs> yeah. I, th- I think it's funny if you look at the Mets versus like the Giants right now, who also fired their GM about a month ago or so. Um, and the way the Mets have been going about it is we don't want someone who's very analytically driven. They have publicly said this for whatever reason in 2018. They're like, we hate stats as a franchise, which uh, weird flex, but okay. Um, weird flex, and okay. and it's all very public. And then this chronicle headline is about the Giants: is Giants GM search focusing on analytical candidates? And also, there are no names out there. So like, they're just doing their stuff in private. They're like, we want someone who's like going to push the envelope and move things forward. And like, the Will Ponds are just yelling names out in their sleep. That part is true. Also, they're just in like Kim Ang who would be the only woman GM. She like works for the league. It's like, they're just throwing out names of people in MLB, like agents, all these different places from within the organization, outside of the organization. Like it's just being handled poorly. And I mean, maybe there's something to be said about being in New York and like a lot more people digging into who you're looking to hire than in San Francisco. But it feels like there was an internal email in the league, like about some random topic. And whatever one of the will ponds jumped on and just hit reply all and was like does anyone want to run our team btw <laughs> god damn it i fucking hate this i'm wearing a mess shirt right now <laughs> this is rough stuff um if there's one thing to be said it's that i mean you got to think about it analytics don't actually matter in baseball the red sox yeah. definitely never looked into analytics the final four teams the red sox astros for sure no they don't care about analytics at all dodgers they don't even have an analytics department as far as I'm concerned. And the Brewers, <laughs> Craig Council, most traditional manager I've ever seen. <laughs> uh, I think Jeff Wilpon was actually the ghostwriter for that uh, bad take reading we had on the intro segment. 
Probably was. Speaking of Craig Council, Alex, he made a move that just utterly wrecked the baseball world. Apparently, yeah, that, was a, that was a capital M move. Game five, Craig Council started Wade Miley, left-handed pitcher. Wade Miley, who not very good, was having a good year and a good playoff so far, but he's he's not great. And after one batter pulled him, if you haven't heard all of this, I invite you to go read about it, I guess. Or I guess we can explain it a little more. He basically just started a left-handed pitcher to try to get Dave Roberts to start a lot of right-handed hitters in his platoon because the Dodgers are so good and so deep that they have a right-handed hitting lineup and a left-handed hitting lineup. <laughs> it just hurts my soul. As, as, um, as someone who recently looked at the Mets... 2016 NL wildcard game lineup and it had like fucking James Loney in it really hurts me (laughs) to see the Dodgers have all of these good players (laughs) Um, so he did that and he pulled Wade Miley after one batter and brought in Brandon Woodruff who's right handed and can pitch in long relief it's not actually a non-traditional move it's been done before it was done in like the 1920s there's a lot of precedent for this which we're not going to take all this time to explain but the collective baseball world lost their shit. Can you tell me why? Not really, because it was kind of a smart move. Like, Wade Miley was never supposed to start this game anyway. He was just going to start the next game. Um, so this was a bullpen session for him. And, like, the Brewers themselves pulled this uh, earlier in September in a game against, like, the Cardinals. So if the Dodgers had done their advanced scouting, they would know that, like, this thing is on the docket. Um, yeah. But, like, I don't know, I whatever. They did it, it, it was like a essentially a one-time thing, right? The Brewers weren't doing this the entire playoffs. And, I mean, a, a good part of, like, baseball Twitter was like, wow, this is weird. Who knows if it works? Okay, we're moving on. And then there were, like, a few actual baseball writers who were like, well, maybe MLB should look into a rule change so that this thing shouldn't be allowed. And it's like, What? The Brewers did one thing that is within the rules, and now you want to change the rules to make it so they can't do that? Like, I'm so confused by this. Is there like an like another sport comparison to this? Not really, right? Because there's no other sport where the way that it struck me was like, if all of a sudden at the end of a, a playoff game that the Warriors started making offense defense substitutions, like they subbed out Steph when they were on defense and put in someone who's a better defender and then they brought him back in on offense, which is something that happens all of the time in every yeah. game, regular season or postseason, and nobody cares. Yeah. <laughs> and this happens in baseball one time and everyone's like, I don't know. I, I'm with you in that it's a smart move and it's well within the rules and I don't see how it's any different than bringing in a lefty one-out guy in, in like four yeah, which is apparently within the purview of everyone who's freaking out, but but this because they did it in the opposite order matters. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Man. It feels like it's one of those things that, like, you know, it goes against the spirit of the game. But does like, it even Dave, though? Does Dave, it? No, it doesn't. And it didn't make a difference. The Dodgers won anyway, so stop whining about it. What I mean, like, what spirit are we talking about there? Which part of the spirit of the game, of this like fake concocted thing that we talk about, does it go against? Because I'm, I'm in theory, if I'm Craig Council, I'm allowed to bring in a left-handed reliever to face a left-handed batter, right? Yeah. That's all that was then. Yeah. Wade Miley just happened to not get the guy out. 
because he's bunts, but <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I don't. I genuinely don't know. And finally, before we move on to talking about the most scandalous cheating scandal in the history of scandals from the Houston Astros <laughs> and Manny Machado and his heel turn, before we get to all that, I need to talk to you about. Chris Sale planting a weird story in the media about a belly button ring infection and that being the reason that he was in the hospital. Ugh, yes. Um, give this to me. I don't even know what to give. <laughs> what he's just a weird one-off comment that everyone kind of ran with as very serious. So yeah. Chris Sale, Boston Red Sox ace, noted weird guy. He pitched in game one of the ALCS and he didn't pitch very well. Um, and then apparently was hospitalized afterwards with, I don't know, some kind of infection or something like that, some kind of stomach flu or whatever, and he had lost like a lot of weight, it was reported, because he'd been throwing up or something like that. And uh, he's apparently better now. He's starting game one of the World Series on Tuesday. But he was asked by reporters yesterday, or Friday or whenever it was, why he was hospitalized, what kind of sickness did he have? And his explanation was that he'd been taking a belly button ring in and out too many times. And my question is, how do you even know that that's a thing that you can do to be infected? I didn't, I didn't, I've never, it's never crossed my mind. Has it crossed <laughs> yours? <laughs> I mean, no. I, I feel like I generally knew that that was a thing because it's essentially an open wound. So if you keep opening it, I suppose it could be an issue. Perhaps, I mean, Chris Sales from Florida, maybe he has friends with belly button rings and he knows about this sort of thing. I think so, he, does. Does he have a belly button ring? Do you think? No, he doesn't. Do you know for sure? Uh, so actually, our boy uh, Bob Nightingale uh, had a little had a, the God had a little anecdote. I don't. I, this this actually doesn't confirm or deny whether or not he has a belly button ring. But uh, but he confided to several teammates that he was going to tell his tale and see if he could fool the media into buying it. One Red Sox player said he told me he was going to say that, but I didn't believe him. Yeah, I saw that quote. <laughs> Why? <laughs> what? <laughs> what perverse joy does Chris Sale get out of doing that? I don't know. Trick the media, man. It's all fucking fake news anyway. I mean, what? Like, who cares? At the end of the day, like, it's kind of funny, and everyone oh, laughed. I support it, and I, th- I think it. I mean, I think everyone knew it was just kind of like some sort of stomach bug, and it's fine, and he's not on his deathbed or anything like that. So you might as well pull the media's leg a little bit. Yeah. Well, good luck to Chris Sale getting that belly button ring in and out throughout the World Series. I hope we can see him two to three times. <laughs> God, I know, right? This is the the 2018 version of the bloody sock is like the the bloody navel area of the okay. jersey. You said the bloody sock, and I'm not going to go on a 10-minute rant or anything, but the bloody sock is fake. I don't care what anyone tells me ever. The bloody sock is 100% fake. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I saw, I'm probably with you on this. It's Kurt Schilling, dude. You got to take everything he does with a grain of salt. Anyway, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk about some drummed up conspiracy theory about the Astros stealing signs from every team in the league. So, 
As as we have noted, we are now in the World Series. The Red Sox advanced past the historically good Houston Astros, but but not before the Astros threw everything at the wall to see if it would stick, including spying on the Red Sox using a guy named Kyle and an iPhone to steal some sort of signs or or something else from them. We're not really sure what happened, but during game one, uh, the the Red Sox noticed a guy by like the their credentialed uh, like photo box <laughs> with just holding an iPhone and I guess filming the pitcher or whoever, and they kicked him out and they were like, "Hey, you're not supposed to be here." And connected some sort of dots and realized that he was with the Astros and and lodged a formal complaint with Major League Baseball. Um, and uh, and yeah, a lot of people were not too happy about this, including a lot of other teams who apparently had the same thing happen to them. And so (laughs) apparently the Astros have been cheating the entire season. No one really knows what's going on, but they're not going to get in trouble for it because, you know, MLB didn't want to sully the postseason or anything like that. So they're getting off scot-free. But uh, Bobby, what, what the hell, man? What happened? Yeah, what the hell is right? First of all, is there a more perfect name than Kyle? For the guy standing there, wasn't he wearing like sunglasses and like a polo and like, yeah, yeah, something like that? That's out of a that's out of a cartoon. Jeff Lunau, good president of baseball operations, bad fake Russian spy from an '80s movie. <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't know how you be more obvious than putting fucking Kyle, just Kyle, just Kyle. It's Kyle. He's just yeah. gonna go. We're just gonna send yeah. Kyle down there with a fucking iPhone. Yeah, like. Jeff Lunau, the Astros are like some of the first people to really use TrackMan data, edgertronic cameras for pitchers, all these different like cutting edge technologies. And their move to steal signs, which is an illegal thing, was not to use like some high quality camera that was untraceable from like the hundredth row in the nosebleeds. No, 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 no. We can't do that. Absolutely not. What we have to do is we need to send Kyle and a polo and a hat and sunglasses with an iPhone 8. Great camera, by the way. Great marketing for Apple. Send his iPhone 8 down there or iPhone 10 or whatever the hell and is violating MLB's rules. (laughs) (laughs) I don't get it. I don't get why. I've never understood the science stealing thing. I understand it from like a one game perspective, but doing it as like a full on like campaign. And like violating these rules like this is is a weird move. But then again, my take on this is that like I truly could not care less. If you get your signs stolen, I, I'm fully in the camp of if you get your signs stolen, it's on you. Yeah. Like just just change your signs. It's it's not hard. We also don't know what he was doing. Like we He was playing like Candy Crush. The, the <laughs> like sign stealing was floated by uh like Dave Dombrowski, the, the Red Sox GM, but we, it could have been something else. Like I heard someone on Twitter suggest that maybe he was looking for uh, tells of Red Sox pitchers for when they were like tipping their pitches or something like that. Uh, yes, shout out, shout Brand out to strong. Shout out to top rated podcast tipping pitches. Um, it's truly it's a big moment for us this postseason. Luis Severino, it's been so big. Craig Kimbrell, our fucking Google hits are going up, Doc. I know it's incredible. My favorite thing is uh, is Jeff Lunau's excuse which is that we had someone down there spying on the other team to make sure that they weren't spying on us. 
his excuse is that sometimes we have we send people down there to make sure the other teams aren't cheating. It's like, yeah, yeah, for sure, dude. That's that's what you're doing. You're just the making sure everyone's got away doing legal things. I know that worked. I don't. Yeah, uh, good for you, Jeff Luna. I mean, of of course, of course, the Astros are cheating. You remember earlier this year? I guess this was earlier this year. Yeah, beginning of the year when like the. Or was it, no, was it last postseason when the Red Sox had the Apple Watch? You remember that? Yeah, that was last year. Like, every team fucking cheats. Every team oh, looks for Maybe a way to gain an edge year. on the other I team. I have no no concept of years anymore. But, like, every every team looks for a way to gain an edge. Like, just be better at gaining an edge. Agreed. Tipping pitches is pro Spygate, pro Deflategate. We're big Patriots fans. We love Bill Belichick. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, this is... I actually, I just read this today, and this is kind of interesting, that you were talking about like how the Astros have been ahead of all like the cutting edge technology and stuff. And then apparently there are rumors that they're um, like fudging their data for some of their minor leaguers, like TrackMan, SpinRate, and that sort of thing. So like they'll bump up a pitcher's numbers when they're selling them to another team and being like, hey, you want this guy? His fastball's uh, got a 2,400 spin rate or whatever. Yeah. And then teams get them and they're like, uh, no, he what the hell? Oh, that's really interesting, actually. That's like a yeah. longer conversation because I've read a lot and listened to a lot of interviews about how weird it is that players come to the Astros and suddenly they can like, the Astros find ways to like add spin rate to guys. Which yeah, is like their strikeout usually rates something are that's insane. Well, like their strikeout rates for sure. But a lot of that, I think, has to do with pitch selection and pitch sequencing and pitch tunneling and all these different things that, like, they actually are ahead of all the other teams on. Like, Garrett Cole came, started throwing more curveballs, started striking more guys out. That wasn't fucking rocket science or anything. But the, like, spin rate is a really hard thing to control. It's really hard for someone to learn how to increase their spin rate. It's not really, like, throwing. It's not throwing harder. It's not even necessarily throwing with more break i mean it can affect break and it can help with break but it's just like it has a lot more to do with like arm angle and like the ball position in your hand and just like yeah, the natural and applying way pressure moves. on the ball and the right yeah way. exactly it's like a very hard thing to teach it's a, it's an easier thing to scout for and to project if you see a guy who has a high spin rate but is getting hit for some reason and driveline does a lot of this research and stuff but like People have always found it weird that like the Astros have cracked the code on how to increase guys' spin rates. Maybe this was right in front of our faces all along. Maybe they didn't crack the code. <laughs> Maybe they're just making the numbers up. So what we're saying here on, on, on tipping pitches, Trevor Bauer, innocent. He was right all along. So true. He had them nailed. Wow. My boy has been slandered. He's been looking for the truth all along. He's just a yeah. truth seeker, dude. He is a truth seeker. And he was silenced for it. Honestly... It's because we live in a fascist country. Yeah, seriously. It doesn't, it doesn't support conservative viewpoints. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> um, the Astros are cheaters. And Manny Machado is uh, the dirtiest player in baseball, according to Christian <laughs> Yelich. <laughs> what is good with my man, Manny? What is going on, man? So if you haven't seen, then you just... Don't watch baseball, but Manny Machado, he's had a couple questionable moments uh, throughout the postseason and, and really throughout his career. Like, this is who he's been all along. He's not fooling anyone. Manny is who we thought Manny was, but yeah, he um, had a takeout slide at second base of Orlando Arcia, 
early in the Brewers series. And then in game six, I want to say, he uh, he kicked Brewers first baseman Hayes Aguilar in the heel or like in the ankle as he was running out uh, a ground ball. And Aguilar was just kind of like hanging around the base. Um, and it was pretty egregious. Like you could see him slow down. You could see him really just like tee up Aguilar's foot. Um, pretty hard to get around that one. It was a, it's a tough play to defend. And then in game seven, Machado had, I guess, like a base hit, like an RBI base hit. He scored the game winning run in game five. And then game seven, he, as he was making his walk back to first, just kind of just grabbed his nuts yeah. <laughs> at the Brewers fans, which was an incredible flex. And uh, we support it. <laughs> <laughs> but Alex, can you tell me, what does this mean for Manny's perception? Does this mean anything for his free agency? That's a dumb question that I've seen some <laughs> people been who have been answering that I'm going to ask you. And how does this make us as a podcast feel about Machado? Uh, I've come full circle and I love him again. Um, <laughs> it just it, because of how he embraced it by the end of the series. So he had two takeout slides and the second one was arguably way more egregious than the first. Like he had already passed the base and then just reached up and grabbed Orlando Arcia's leg as he was thrown to first. And and it was pretty bad. And so at that point, and this is at around the same time he had the the play where like he didn't run out a ground ball. He wasn't hustling. And Dave Roberts had a very serious conversation about it. And then Machado was asked about it and he was like, yeah, man, that's just not me. Uh, and people were like, who, who the hell is this guy? Who does he think he is? <laughs> and then he stepped on Aguilar's leg and then he taunted the entire Brewers stadium when they went back to Milwaukee. And frankly, it's just incredible. He has totally embraced the the villain of the 2018 playoffs. And I I kinda I kinda love it. And Yasiel Puig has been there the entire time egging him on and watching the two of them just rile each other up and in turn rile up Brewers fans and the rest of baseball fandom has been truly a sight to watch. Yeah, I think something that's particularly satisfying has been seeing Machado do this and Puig with the home run in game seven. That was like the cushion that they really needed. Yeah. Oh, they, those, they, they, they crotch chopped to each other. Seeing those two absolutely expose Milwaukee fans, the same Milwaukee fans who I'm going to keep saying it on this podcast, who cheered Josh yeah. Hader and gave him a standing yep. ovation after his racist yep. tweets. Just seeing them eat shit over it was just <laughs> endlessly satisfying. Yeah, it was it was really enjoyable to see. I think that a lot of the the conversation about this has been drawn up in such a black and white proportion, uh, just in terms of like like there have been columns talking about how uh, Manny Machado really needs to like show some sort of maturity and he really needs to step up, especially after uh, swiping Aguilar's ankle, which like. It's clearly on purpose. Um, and it's like, it's, so not a, obviously it's, on purpose. it's not a great look for my guy. I got to admit it. But like, he also, baseball is a game that has encouraged like hard-nosed, go out and do what you can to win play for a century. And now the culture is maybe finally starting to change a little bit. And just because Manny Machado doesn't follow every letter of the law, it's like, well, he's immature. He needs to he needs to grow up. It's going to affect his free agency. Teams are going to be put off by this. And it's like 
no, if he's on your team, you love this. This is, inc- this is exactly what you want to see. He's going out there and he's just trying to win, man. He's leaving it all in the field. Also, this is not immature. Can we just like use more words in the English language? This is not what immaturity yeah. is. <laughs> no, <laughs> I don't understand. Like immature is just the game of baseball. It's a child's game. What are we talking about here? We're not like solving world issues here. We're playing fucking baseball, running around in tight <laughs> pants. Like is maturity suddenly like the end all be all? Like was every superstar ever mature? Ken Griffey Jr. is like the best left-handed hitter I've been alive for. And his nickname was the kid because he yeah. played the game with, you know, joy and fun and heart. And he wore his hat backwards and all that stuff. Was he immature? I don't yeah. like. Was was Kurt Schilling mature? Was Nolan Ryan mature? Give me a break. Was Pedro Martinez the greatest <laughs> right-handed pitcher ever mature? He had moments where he would just egg on the Yankees fans at Yankee Stadium and he would come out and talk about who's your daddy afterward. Is that a mature thing to do? Yeah. We need to use but more like, words. We need to yeah, use more but, words. Yeah, it's like it's not immature, right? Like maybe it's maybe it's not how I what I would do in my workplace, like show up to work at 9 a.m. and be like, uh, I'm your daddy, everyone. You know? <laughs> like <laughs> I probably wouldn't do that. <laughs> but when you're playing a child's game for a living, you can it's okay. We can we can let that one slide. I'm trying to think of a better word to describe it than immature, but we don't often frame it in those terms. So I, I like nothing is coming to me. He's just a little over the line sometimes. And that's not maturity. I don't think you unlearn that stuff. Cause like that's the way that we framed the conversation with Puig too. When he first came up, oh, he was immature. He was a uh, he was a bad locker room guy. He's not really different now. The Dodgers are just winning, and he's yeah. just still playing good. He's still yeah. like doing all that stuff. He's still he's still very demonstrative. He's still very weird. Um, <laughs> he's just a weird guy, and like that's fine. That's great. I love it. I love him. And uh, yeah, we should just stop calling everyone immature just to sun them or whatever, just to yeah, like keep right. these players in their place. You know, that's like not it's not what we're here for. Yeah, it's a bad look. <laughs> We're not here to adjudicate the adulthood of grown men that we don't really know anything about. Nope. Just enjoy it, man. Enjoy yeah. the bat flips and the crotch chops and just every aspect of it. Just just w- let yourself be wa- awash in the um, hubris. The Bellinger bat flip after he hit his home run was beautiful. Maybe yeah. we can call him immature because he's like 14. I know. He looks like a child. You want to use the word immature. How about that? He's actually literally not mature yet. (laughs) He's like 12. He gets younger every game. Every time I talk about him. Just kidding. I love him so much. He's he's perfect. Did you want to talk about... So after the Machado play at first, Brewer's first baseman, Jesus Aguilar, and him had like some words for each other. And apparently they like hashed it out a couple innings later. They talked about it. But... Right immediately after it happened, it was reported that I saw it on Twitter. I don't know who talked, who wrote about it first or whatever. Um, sorry for not giving the proper credit, but Aguilar apparently called Machado like a homophobic slur in Spanish. And there's not really very much to say here other than the fact that these things are very normal in baseball still. And it's like, you know, we call Machado immature for kicking Aguilar's ankle, but like no one's really talking about the other side of it. That just feels like a very a thing that we talk about very often. And it uh, reared its ugly head again in the playoffs. 
And we can't get through one series without something like this happening. Yep, we literally can't. It was Yuli Guriel uh, last year with racist taunts towards you, Darvish. I mean, this is the word that Aguilar used is the same one that you know Escobar had painted on his eye black a couple years ago, which is a really bizarre move. And just a, I don't even know how to break that one down. But like, yeah, it's a it's a culture that needs to be stamped out and and rightfully called out, right? Because like this was not talked about in the conversation. At no, all, right? No. It was it was all focused on Machado, and you're right. It's like why do, why does using gay slurs? Why is that not immature, right? Why is that not a sign of uh, a lack of maturity? That's the most immature thing yeah. that you could. But that's like a very like a middle school, like you just default to that. I think the most indicative thing for me with that situation is that's like the first thing that comes out of these players' mouths. That's the first thing that he thinks to call Machado when something bad happens. That's the first thing Yuli Gurriel does when he gets back to the dugout after hitting a home run. The Yunel Escobar thing is just inexplicable. I don't understand that at all, and I don't even want to try to begin to understand that. But like these two other instances that we've referenced, it's a knee-jerk reaction for them. And it's very strange. And it's very... It's not strange, actually. That's not even the word for it. It's very representative of the way that these things infiltrate baseball culture and how that's just the first thing that's the first instinct that you call upon when something good or bad happens to you it's just to like sort of try to degrade the other person via this homophobic stance that you have or this racist stance that you have i don't know baseball's bad in that way all sports are bad in that way honestly yeah pretty much uh, good good riddance to the brewers yeah. Adios. Bye. Bye, Josh Hader. Have fun Bye. at home. Yeah. Don't come back next year. Yeah. Go play a different sport by yourself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we got him. All right. <laughs> Let's take a quick break. <laughs> <laughs> Let's take a quick break. We're going to come back. And um, the World Series is happening. So now that we've done 50 minutes of stupid tipping pitches stuff, we're going to talk about the stuff that matters. <laughs> All right, Alex, we're going to play a little game. We're going to try to predict the headlines of your run-of-the-mill tabloid, your New York Daily News, your New York Post. We are going to try to predict those headlines for the World Series because I know I joked at the very top of the show about how we were hashtag pivoting to analytics, but we are not. So we're going to pivot to fake storylines. I guess it's not really much of a pivot from what we usually do. Do you have a first predicted headline that you want to share yeah so uh so i don't know when david price is starting uh maybe game two game three there have been a lot of questions about him these playoffs about his postseason curse and like whether or not he can do it and he finally kind of quelled a lot of those fears in his last start against the astros but he comes out in game two or game three gets absolutely lit up by the dodgers easy one right here off the bat the price is wrong Right? Come on. Come on. Yeah. That's, like, that's, like, like two innings, five runs, gets the quick hook. He, it, it just, it's just not happening for him, man. Okay. 
I love that. I think it's great. I love the show The Price is Right. So I'm down. I love that The Price is definitely wrong. Although, if he does well, can you use The Price is Right? I feel like that's probably trademarked. Yeah, 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 probably, yeah. <laughs> um, so you're you're predicting. Let's let's establish a couple ground rules real quick. Do you think that's going to happen? Like, is that <laughs> I don't know. Predicting the headlines. <laughs> just, the pun, the pun worked, man. Yeah, it's all about the puns. All right, so we're yeah. at the will of the puns here. Okay, I'm down for that. Yeah. All right, you ready for mine? Go for it. So these work in tandem. It's two separate headlines. I refuse to take a stand on predicting what's actually going to happen in the World Series. So okay. I have two headlines that will that could run based on the outcome of the Kershaw sale matchup that's lined up right now. So we talked a little bit about it before the pod started, but probably going to be it's definitely sale in game one, probably going to be Kershaw in game one. Then they would pitch again in theory on short rest in game four. And then Again, in, in a possible game seven, maybe out of the bullpen, a la Madison Bumgarner. So the first one, so this is the in, in the event that Chris Sale pitches really well and uh, and wins it for the Red Sox. Fire Sale. Sox ace goes four in relief to seal World Series. You know? Oh, fire Sale, yeah. like a fireman fire, out of the bullpen. Fire, yeah, yeah. No, I get it. Yeah. And he's on fire. You know, hashtag is, fire he, emoji. Yeah, because he because he's doing really well. Yeah, exactly, because he's throwing fire, too. You know, yeah, he throws hard. Yeah. yeah. Fire sale. How about that? I like okay. it. Yeah, yeah, I like it. I like it. And in the event that Kershaw is the one who steals the spotlight, I'm so prepared for your groan for this one. <laughs> oh, God. Kershaw shank redemption. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> You yeah, because he's got to redeem himself, man. Yeah, yeah, it is. It is. There is a redemption story there. There's a big redemption story. I guarantee somewhere, someone will write that headline if Kershaw pitches well and wins World Series MVP. Yeah, you're right. Kershaw Shank Redemption. Have you seen Shawshank Redemption? No, I have not. Damn, dude. Yeah, we were talking sorry. about that at the office this past week, and a couple people hadn't seen it. It's a good film. Check it out. We're a movie podcast now. <laughs> In all seriousness, though, do you? What is your, I don't know, I don't want to make you make a prediction, but what do you think is going to unfold between Sale and Kershaw? Because that's going to be like the crux of this series. Yeah. I kind of feel like Kershaw is going to mow down the Red Sox. Woo! And that's a take. I, I think that he's probably going to come out on top. I don't know. Just gut feeling. I feel like after after all of the the troubles that have dogged him just over the last few years. I mean, he has a four ERA in like 130 playoff innings. That's not great. Like that's bordering on actual sample size right there. So he has that's a narrative. as good as you're going to get for the playoffs. Yeah, he has a narrative that follows him. This is his chance to break it on the biggest possible stage, prove all the haters wrong. He's going to reach into that faith of his, talk to God, and just pull out five shutdown innings, strike out Mookie Betts twice, make J.D. Martinez look foolish and and Chris Sale is just going to lose it. He's going to have a meltdown in Boston and and that's going to oh, be wow. it, man. It's going to be the nail in the coffin. He's going to rip his jersey off and start cutting it up on the mound? Yeah, yeah, honestly. He's going to, we're going to have a dramatic moment where he rips out the belly button and like and like throws it at the, <laughs> at the batter a la Roger Clemens. I love this. I love this plan. Yeah. Okay, you're up next. Your final predicted headline. Um, so the Los Angeles Dodgers are playing the Boston Red Sox. 
They are indeed. Manny Machado is going to continue his antics. He's going to rile up Red Sox fans so much, so much. And he's going to have a game in which he goes like four for four with a home run and a stolen base and three RBI. And uh, and he's going to be just the showiest showman uh, of, of anyone that we've ever seen. And the headline is going to read, obviously, Manny being Manny. Because, yeah, you know, Red the Sox, tables on him. Manny Ramirez, the former Red Sox player, who, uh, that was his tagline. Get it? How we're going to, like, flip the script a little bit? Yeah, I love a good, I love a good script flipped. Yeah, that's, that's all this podcast is, is flipping scripts and tipping pitches or something. <laughs> Telegraphing our takes. Um, yeah. For, like, the first year of this podcast, I had no idea what tipping pitches meant in the context of this show. And then we were, we were talking <laughs> Wait, about really? it. Yeah, I was just like, this is a cool baseball phrase. Like, yeah. <laughs> and then we were talking about it last week and you were like, yeah, tipping pitches, you know, like we uh, we telegraph what we're going to say. But since it's not a surprise every week, we talk about the same stuff. <laughs> and I was like, wow, that's pretty good. Yeah, we can market that. <laughs> um, Manny being Manny. I love it. You got to do it. I mean, yeah. everyone's going to do it. So yeah, why not? And there's not a ton of stuff you can do with with Manny. I was I was thinking of like like Manny maybe like Manny Machismo or something like that, mm. you know? Okay. I don't hate that. Yeah, but I don't that's like maybe too many syllables for your average tabloid reader. So <laughs> rough. Also machismo is just a wild word to put in the headline. It's not <laughs> yeah, great for no. SEO. No, it is not. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Are you ready for my final one? Yeah, give it to me. It's the most basic one so far. So I apologize that we're we're ending on it, but it would be the most momentous occasion of all the things that we've said so far, if that makes sense. Okay. It's just simply understated MV Puig. Ooh. <laughs> That's our nice. Boy, our yeah. boy, Yasiel, taking home the hardware. I yeah. want to see, I can't even express to you, Alex, how badly I want to see Yasiel Puig on national television standing next to Joe Buck, just licking the MVP trophy. <laughs> how great would that be? <laughs> Oh my God. I didn't have that image in my head and now I'm not going to be able to get it out. That's the of best thing not. I've ever imagined. It's all I'm thinking about. MV Puig, the picture is him with the tongue right on the MVP trophy. Ugh, that is that is picture perfect. <laughs> well, I'm glad we could end on that. I honestly think, all jokes aside, actually not all jokes aside, I love it. <laughs> um, I honestly think he could, you know, bat lick his way to a great series. And like, He's so showy and so flashy that how do you not pick him if he has a good series? Yeah. Like he's going to make it known every single time he gets a hit. He's going to just like do some crazy shit to the Boston fans and they're going to boo him very hard. Yeah. Um. So he's going to be he, him and Machado are the two guys really who have the opportunity to like be in big moments and like rip the hearts out of Boston fans who like hate them partially because they're on the other team and partially because they're not white. Um, and so I think like that's going to be a running storyline. I also think, you know, a guy like Justin Turner, who's been really, really good since coming back from his injury in the middle of the season and like really good throughout the playoffs. He's been the Dodgers best hitter, high average, high OBP, high OPA, all these different things. And he's probably been the Dodgers best position player for like four years now. (laughs) Um, but all that being said, it doesn't really matter who your best player is in the world series it matters who has the best series as evidenced by david freeze and david 
Eckstein and other Davids throughout the <laughs> playoff history. Um, and so I'm hoping it's Puig. I'm hoping for the tabloid's sake. I'm hoping for his sake. I'm hoping for Dodgers fans who have soured on him's sake so they can come back. He's a World Series MVP. I don't know how you don't come back around to him. Yeah. Um, at this point, like if he wins you the World Series. So, and I'm hoping for tipping pitch's sake, honestly, um, because he's our, our number one boy. Yeah, that would be the best possible outcome. Um, all right. So, after all this very, very serious analysis, all these sabermetrics we've just thrown at you, I, uh, I want to hear, Bobby. I want to hear your prediction right here, live, on air, put you on the spot. Who's going to win it? Honestly, if I'm sticking to the MVP script, I got to go like, what, Dodgers and six? Yeah. I'd love to see a game seven just because baseball is very good and I don't want it to end and I want this to go as long as possible. But from a my job perspective, I'd like the the series to be a sweep because I want the MLB show to be done for a little while. <laughs> um, <laughs> but... Uh, I would love to see Dodgers in six. I want LA to win. I live in LA now. I'm not a Dodgers fan, but it would be cool to see uh, a parade. And it would be cool to see Boston lose. Honestly. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That would be really nice. That's what I'm rooting for. What I think will actually happen. I don't know. I think that's a pretty, that's about as safe a bet as any. Although I've been underestimating the Red Sox all postseason. So they'll probably win. (laughs) Yeah. Same. (laughs) Uh, How about you? Honestly. I feel like, so momentum obviously is not really a thing in baseball. So I'm going to come out here and say Dodgers have the momentum coming into the series. They have, uh, they are, it's them against the world. Dodgers come out guns blazing, win it in five at home. Oof. Yeah, you're yeah. going to look dumb for that one. That's okay. That will not be the first time. <laughs> you can feel it in the On a day like this, all right well that's all we got that is tipping pitches world series preview predicting the headlines roasting the bad headlines and uh defending the heel manny machado uh thank you for listening if you have questions throughout these playoffs we'll be all over twitter at tipping underscore pitches um listen to us on radio public uh, send us emails all the good stuff that we say every week Alex I'm pumped for the World Series I am so excited I haven't I haven't been this excited for something in a while so I'm, I'm ready to go man we'll see you next week I want to hear, Bobby. I want to hear your prediction right here, live, on air. Put you on the spot. Who's going to win it? Give me one sec. There's a spider on the bed that I need to kill. (laughs) (laughs) ASMR. (laughs) We are. Let's talk about the worst column of the week. Welcome to Tipping Pitches, ladies and (laughs) gentlemen.